Welcome to Menopause Uprising, the Wellness Warrior podcast with me, Catherine O'Keefe. On today's episode, I'm talking to Diane Danzebrink. And you may be familiar with Diane, who is an activist, speaker, educator, oracle in relation to menopause and a force in menopause and its journey in the UK. On today's episode, Diane and I are talking about the emotional aspects of menopause with a particular focus on past trauma. I do hope you enjoy the episode and there's going to be many resources in the show notes that you can look at also. Hi everyone and thanks uh, for joining um, another one of the fantastic lineups um, for Menopause Week with Wellness Warrior. Um, I'm thrilled to have my lovely friend Diane Danzebrink um, on board today and look at our bookshelves, it's like we're showing off Diane. <laughs> Whose bookshelf is the only, <laughs> It's the only tidy place around my office. <laughs> mm, I could probably say the same about my house. <laughs> um, for anyone that doesn't know Diane, um, Diane is um, a huge, passionate uh, menopause advocate in the U UK and um, leads the Make Menopause Matter campaign in the UK, um, which has had tremendous success to date because um, they've achieved one of their aims, which is menopause on the school curriculum. Um, Diane is also um, a psychotherapist and works with um, many women in menopause and uh, women at different life stages. So today, so welcome, Diane, I should say. Lovely. Uh, <laughs> nice to see you again. And you. Um, so a few, probably about two months back, um, towards the end of the summer, Diane and myself and Emily Power-Smith and Jane Lewis did a webinar on um, sexual health in menopause. And I guess um, I received a huge amount of messages and we did receive a lot of messages um, on the webinar, but even before it and afterwards in relation to um, different issues that came up from the past for many women and um, they were looking for kind of some direction and advice in terms of past trauma and it was something that at the time um, the webinar really I guess was focused on more the physical and, and you know kind of mental aspects of, um, of issues with um, sexual health as opposed to looking at past trauma. So Today, that's we're going to talk about past trauma. And um, as I've said to Diane, I'm aware of it that um, um, it can reappear in someone's life during perimenopause, menopause, but um, not overly familiar with, uh, you know, what it's about or why it happens. Sorry, I hope you didn't hear that alarm going off. But anyway, yes. Okay, we'll go through that one. Um, so Diane, you know, this is this is an area that you you work in. Um, you know, what what is trauma? Okay, for, so for start. Okay, so trauma, as far as um, the general public are probably um, aware, is usually related, probably to um, returning war veterans. We often hear about trauma being related to those that have um, served in the in the forces um, or perhaps in the police service or the fire service or the ambulance service, etc. Um, and 
we've we've heard quite a lot over the last few years about PTSD, um, which is post-traumatic um, stress disorder. Um, essentially, trauma is an unprocessed memory, which lasts for a significant amount of time. So a traumatic experience can be anything that somebody finds particularly distressing, upsetting, etc. And many of those traumatic experiences will be processed by the brain and people will move past them. However, there are some traumatic experiences which and of course, have to remember that everybody's very individual, but mm. there are some traumatic experiences where that memory is never processed the way that all the memories that you and I are making now will be processed, mm. you know, kind of back into essentially, you know, the dusty old bookcase of the brain where we can, we can sift them out and find them if we work hard you know, sort of, what did I do on my birthday last year? Well, off the top of my head, I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> but if somebody's had, if somebody's had a really traumatic experience that has never been processed by the brain, then essentially that means that they can be triggered to remember that experience as if it were actually happening to them again okay. by anything that's linked to it. So. Essentially, triggers can be sights, sounds, smells, touch, any of those things. Um, so, for instance, I'm sure that you will have heard or read about um, ex-service men and women mm -hmm. who dread bonfire night. Right. Because, yeah, yeah. because of yeah. the loud bangs and the smells, etc., that surround it. Um, because essentially they've been in, you know, kind of they've been in areas of war where they have experienced trauma. That trauma has never been resolved. And so the, the sounds and smells of bonfire night are triggering for them. But it's really important to say that it's so much wider than that. So trauma can be something that happens to us physically or it can be something that happens to us that affects us emotionally. And essentially what we're really talking about are, and this can happen from a very young age, this can happen, you know, sort of from small children and all the way throughout our lives. And as I say, for many people, they will, they will process that memory over, you know, sort of a short amount of time. But if it persists, over months and then into years, that's what's regarded as a post-traumatic memory. So right, it's a memory okay. that keeps coming back okay. when it's you're not trying to recall it, but it's coming back because of a trigger that you have not sought out, something that's just happened in your life. So okay. you could be, you know, if you're if your traumatic incident happened while somebody was drinking strong coffee and you walk past a coffee house, that can be enough. The to smell of the memory. coffee can trigger. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And that can, that can put that individual right back as if they were in that situation. So they're not, 
they're not remembering that memory as if they're standing outside it they're actually feeling that they're right back in it. Oh, yeah, it's feeling the feelings of the memory, right? Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. It's as if you're experiencing it all over again. Okay. And for, you know, sort of the kind of things that typically come up, um, you know, sort of when when I'm working with people, and I know the same for colleagues as well, um, can be things like violence, so violent incidents, um, can be sexual assault, um, can be, particularly for young children, can be the separation or divorce of their parents, particularly right. if that was a very traumatic time, if there was lots of shouting, if there was any kind of physical violence that, that went on, um, that can be very difficult. Um, medical procedures, so okay. anybody anybody who has experienced a medical procedure where they didn't get the best help and support. So you might have, um, I n- not me personally, but I know colleagues who work specifically with women who have experienced traumatic birth. Right, um, okay, yeah. Um, anybody that's been involved in a disaster, um, you know, sort of so anything, any big disaster that happens around the world, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there are trauma teams which will go into those areas and work with some of those people who they don't process those traumatic memories. Um, I I would have, um, sorry, just on that, when I um, was in the in the corporate world, I was, I worked in New York for quite a while after 9-11. And yeah. um, I certainly would have known quite a few friends who have suffered trauma as a result um, of that event. And it took, um, you know, it took months, uh, years, I think. And I, I'm sure not all of them, I think maybe they're, it'll, it'll come back at some point, but yeah. yeah. And as I say, Catherine, you know, for a lot of people, given the right help and support at the time, yeah. they will they will not develop post-trauma. But okay. there will be a percentage of people, and it's very it's very individual. You can never say yeah. who that might happen to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But things like, um, you know, sort of a sudden loss, um, so a loss that is unexpected, can be traumatic for people. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we also have clients who have experienced complex trauma so they may have experienced more than one trauma throughout okay. their lifetime yeah um so again that's that's again more complicated but essentially if i were to to give you a sort of a really really and this is very basic but we haven't got loads of time but if i were to give you a really really basic idea of what's happening in the mm-hmm. brain so Everything that's happening to us now is essentially being processed through the brain and it's held back here in kind of the dusty bookcase of the brain. (laughs) So if I want to, in in a week's time, if I want to think, what did I do? To be honest, I'm probably going to have to refer to my diary. (laughs) Once once I've referred to to my diary, I remember, oh, do you know what? At 10.30... Yeah. On this day, I was chatting to Catherine. Yeah. That's a that's a happy, smiley place for me. You know, yeah. there's nothing there's nothing traumatic about that. It's a it's a lovely place for me to be. I'm with a friend. I'm talking about something I'm passionate about. Yeah. Happy days. But 
if somebody experiences a trauma, a trauma that isn't processed. So all those memories are being processed all the time, mm-hmm. literally, you know, every, every millisecond of the day. If something happens that's really traumatic and doesn't get processed, what's happening is, so if you imagine there's a tiny little almond shape of your brain in here, I know that you're aware of this, mm-hmm. um, in here called the amygdala. And the amygdala essentially acts a bit like passport control for memories. So I don't know about you, but whenever I've been through passport control in many countries, (laughs) they don't really take a lot of notice. But more recently, particularly in the last couple of years, they've been very vigilant. So imagine if you're trying to, if you're on a daily basis, you know, your passport control people, you know, they're reading their newspaper, they're eating their lunch, they're chatting to each other. They're just waving them. They're just waving the memories through. Yeah. Traumatic memory. What happens is it comes to passport control after the event has happened. Okay. And suddenly the men or women at passport control are absolutely on it and they're right. like no i don't think okay. so okay that's not coming through so it gets pushed back so that it's kind of here it's right. at the front okay. of your brain so as i say this that's is a, a great that's a great way of explaining it so basically every time your brain tries to reprocess it yeah suddenly your suddenly your men and women at passport control are on it and they're like okay. no it's not i'm sorry you're not coming through right. so it keeps bouncing back okay and because it's bouncing back it's held in a place where you can be triggered okay. so as i say whether it's the smell of coffee whether it's somebody touching your arm yeah whether it's a sound those are the things that can trigger you right so okay okay if and what that leads to in individuals is it leads to things like hypervigilance. So as you know, the kind of the emotional part of the brain, it's all about fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of as human beings, we are programmed to be, you know, kind of to be able to do the fight, freeze or flight thing. Um, But what it does is it makes us hypervigilant. So we're on, you know, kind of we're on alert all the time. And that's exhausting for people. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that can yeah, be yeah. absolutely draining. That can, yeah. that can lead to depression. Mm-hmm. That can lead to, um, you know, resorting to using drugs or alcohol to kind of numb what's going on for you. For some people, it can make them very angry. For some people, it can make them incredibly introverted. Um, so as I say, it's very different for everybody. But things like if we're talking, you know, because we are specifically talking about trauma and menopause, um, if you're somebody who has lived with um, some kind of health condition um, all your life. So let's say you're somebody who's lived with uh, polycystic ovaries, PMDD, endometriosis, um, or somebody who has had to fight for a diagnosis for seven, eight, nine, ten years right before they know what's what's going on yeah if you if you if you've been turned away brushed off dismissed diminished demeaned you know made to feel as though it's all in your head if you then go to try to get help 
let's say in this instance for menopause, mm -hmm. if you then try to go to get help, then what happens is if you get a similar reaction, it's all in your head. You'll just have to get on with it. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, women have been through this for years. What's, you know, what's the, what's the fuss? Then what happens is people then retreat back into themselves okay. because that's, that's triggering them then right back to where they were many years ago, trying to get a diagnosis. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and why, di sorry, Diane, like why, no, why, why, why is it um, um, that, that, that this can reappear at menopause, you know, because we've often, okay. I've, I've often spoken to women who, you know, might be talking to me and that they've also started, um, you know, speaking to a counsellor and so forth because different mm. things are coming up for them. And, um, you know, mm. why, why, why at menopause? Why, why not at different stages? Because we know that, so for many people, they will, they will find ways of coping in their own lives. Okay. They will find, they will find coping mechanisms. Um, you know, sort of many people, you know, I speak to lots of people in their forties and fifties. They've never told anybody about their trauma. Okay. They've never shared it with anybody and they have lived, you know, they, they've worked, they've, enjoyed you know kind of um social interaction it's probably been really difficult for some of them but they've had social interaction some of them will be in relationships they will have had children and many of them have never ever spoken to anybody about it right. so they have essentially they have managed it and kept a lid on it mm -hmm. it certainly hasn't been easy for any of them but that's what that's how they have coped Okay. Is okay. They've just they've just tried to do what they can to get through every day. And I guess but, some of some of that would be some of that would be unconscious, right? That they might be say if something happened as a child, mm -hmm. um, you put in your coping mechanisms, and they become such a part of your life that by the time you get your your thirties, forties, and older those coping me mechanisms are part of you and you don't differentiate from them. Right. So that I think could be unconscious or conscious leaving yeah, decisions. Absolutely. You know, we all, we all develop different strategies and methods for being able to cope with what's happened in our lives. And some people are, you know, kind of some people manage to do it. Some people don't, some people, it just becomes, you're right. It just becomes a way of life. But even if it's a way of life, what most people will tell me is I'm so tired. I'm right. so exhausted. Okay. Okay. This is so hard to keep doing this every day. Yeah. Um, but why it happens at menopause is because, as you know, we have lots of hormone receptors in the brain. We have estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone receptors mm -hmm. in the brain. Um, and we know that essentially the key protagonist for most of our menopause symptoms is the fluctuating levels of estrogen. Yeah. So imagine, imagine you're somebody who has, basically you've done a really good job of coping with your trauma of managing it throughout your life. And then boom, early forties come along and your hormone levels start to do this. Yeah. They start to fly up and down, mm. sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes yeah. several times a day. Yeah. What that does,
does is that then destabilizes that equilibrium that you have found. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that so then, you know, kind of what do what do most people say about menopause? They say, oh my goodness, I feel so anxious. It's yeah. all about my anxiety. If yeah. you've spent your life trying to control your anxiety and your stress levels, and all of a sudden perimenopause comes along mm -hmm. and you have an unresolved trauma. Trauma. Yeah. Then that's why it will suddenly become, it won't be controlled anymore. Right, yeah. It will yeah. suddenly become something that's harder to control. And mm -hmm. of course, then as a human being, what happens to us is we suddenly find that the control mechanisms that we'd found to be able to manage the trauma, we can't do that anymore. And okay. what do we hate most as human beings? We hate the lack of autonomy. Oh, yeah, yeah. We want to be in control. And I think, you know, sort of that's what makes it so difficult for so many people. And, you know, going back to the conversation that we were having last time with Jane and Emily, um, you know, what came up very clearly was mm -hmm. we were talking very much about the urinary and vaginal symptoms of menopause. People were being incredibly candid about the fact that yeah. they were really struggling in their personal relationships with their partners. They were finding it very difficult to have any kind of sexual relationship. And that wasn't part of it was because of pain and discomfort. Yeah. But part of it was because they were struggling psychologically too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, the thing is, Catherine, it's complex. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I've lost you. Um, can you still see me? Yeah, we got <laughs> Sorry. you. You're, I lost you're still you for there. a second. You're, you're still there. You. You're um, still there. I think the thing is, this is very complex. Yeah. And you can't, you can't say that you can use one tool or strategy to be yeah. able to, to be able to help people with yeah. this because, you know, very often um, everybody says, you know, kind of what well, HRT and HRT is very helpful for many people for helping to manage their hormone fluctuations and their symptoms. Yeah. But if a past trauma has yeah. risen up for you again, then it may be that you're going to need additional support Mm -hmm. to be able to not just manage, but also to process it, right? Also to finally process, process it. Yeah. that yeah. traumatic memory. And I think what a lot of people don't realize, which really saddens me, is that, you know, there are ways to be able to help people to finally process that trauma. I'm not suggesting that it's, you know, easy for people to be able to perhaps consider looking at how they can do that. But the one thing that I do want to get across, Catherine, is that this should not be about re-traumatizing an individual. Yeah, yeah. That's very you know, important, isn't it? I mean, what you want to do, because like you said, I mean, the past trauma is going to be so different depending on every single person. What could be a trauma for one person could be completely processed for somebody else. And then you have yeah. the more, you know, deeper maybe where there is um, there's psychological or physical abuse. You know, that's a much um, more complex journey and it, it's yeah. a process. But I, I, 
I, I, I would very much feel that I would have done um, a lot of counselling when my dad died. My dad died suddenly when I was 21. And at the time I was in my final year in college and um, there was a bereavement counsellor. So I would have done bereavement counselling. And I actually found it probably one of the best things I ever did because um, it was so sudden, the shock of it, it, it you know, it, it, it was most definitely a trauma. But I think yeah. the fact that I did counselling at the time, I think really, really helped. But, you know, that may not be the case um, for everybody. I think it's I think you're absolutely right it's very different for everyone because for some people they feel they need the help and support at the you know sort of at the time for other people they feel it's too soon and they yeah. feel that yeah. they can't they can't possibly revisit anything to too do wrong. with yeah. that traumatic memory and for mm -hmm. some people for some people they feel that they've dealt with it for 10 20 years maybe even longer and then all of a sudden something will happen and they will be right back there right yeah and it's yeah. only then that they feel okay I need to deal with this and for yeah. many women going through menopause as I say they will have they will have coped they will have managed it might not have been comfortable but they will have to all intents and purposes they will have learnt to live with, with it. it yeah yeah but when menopause comes along because of the sudden changes hormonally basically it's like a destabilization of our resilience um and yeah. you know sort of so so suddenly the resilience you've built up is well where's it gone well that's quite scary yeah. that's yeah. quite that's quite frightening but i think the important thing is is that if, if people are going to consider seeking out help, as I say, you know, kind of HRT can be very helpful for helping to stabilize the hormones. But if it has, if it's highlighted something yeah. that you have essentially been trying to suppress. Pushed under the carpet effectively, yeah. yeah. For many, many years, then that will, and, and you feel that that is, that's having a severe impact on your quality of life then that's the time to seek some some support. Um, and, and what is there, is there particular, uh, like I know say CBT is very good for anxiety and you know, mm. like that, but is there different therapies that you would say, is there different forms of therapies that are specific to past trauma or that you'd recommend? Absolutely. Yeah, they absolutely okay. are lovely. And I would, you know, I just before we talk about that, the other thing that I just want to briefly mention is that, um, you know, it's it's also important to remember that unprocessed trauma can be held physically. Mm. So there are there can be physical manifestations of unprocessed trauma. So I know that I know that people work in and around PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, have um, seen that there are a percentage of women who experience PMDD who have had a trauma in their life. Now, that's something that we need huge amounts more research on. Um, but it's, you know, kind of it's an interesting link. There's also been a few, literally a handful, three or four studies done in the US um, about children who experience chronic stress 
and that creates an overstimulation of their fight or flight reaction when the trauma remains unprocessed. So okay. essentially, they're sort of they're growing up in that state. Right. Um, okay. But around treatments, lovely. You know, there are we've had some really good kind of moves forward in the last few years. Um, so you're absolutely right. Um, around specific trauma therapy, um, we have there is trauma focused CBT, um, but the two more sort of recent additions um, have been EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So um, if you're going to work with, so EMDR is approved by NICE in the UK. Okay. Um, and there's also a process called rewind, the rewind technique. Um, so the rewind was, it was sort of, it came about um, via a doctor called Dr. David Muss. It was sort of his, uh, he brought it together, if you like. Um, it's taught by an organization called Human Givens. Um, and they teach that to, to, to therapists. Um, Dr. Muss has done an amazing job of teaching it to Dr. Muss has done an amazing job of teaching it to um, lots of other therapists too. He's done some free sessions, which have been brilliant. Um, and and how do they, um, sorry, how, how, how do they differ, um, Diane? I, 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 don't, I, I, ha I haven't heard of these. I, I'm not even sure if they're okay. available in Ireland. I, I'll certainly, I'll check that out for people. Um, I'm sure, Catherine, I'm sure that people would be able to find a therapist who did Rewind. Right, um, okay. So they could, go to, um, they could go to the Human Givens website and there's the therapy list on there. Um, okay. In fact, one of the one of the founders of Human Givens is a lovely Irish man. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm sure so you'd it's find definitely some here. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you'd find some therapists in Ireland who do yeah. who do uh, rewind therapy. Um, rewind is probably much shorter than EMDR. EMDR is usually done over perhaps six to ten sessions. Um, okay. Rewind is usually done over approximately three. Um, but as I say, the most important thing is that if you're going to seek out somebody to help you seek out somebody who is specifically a trauma trained yeah. therapist, yeah. they do some sort, they've, they've done specific training in one of these trauma therapies. Um, it's, it's so key because you know, I've seen so many people in the past, Catherine, who have spent considerable amounts of time in therapy and be, been re-traumatised by having right. to talk okay. about okay. the minutiae of everything that's happened okay. to them. Yeah. Um, so that's they're... very, very difficult if you're trying to deal with is past trauma and deal with menopause at the same time. If you're if you're having challenging symptoms, that's very, very Ab difficult. Absolutely. And you know, I, the, I think the key thing I want to get across to people is there is help out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you can find somebody who, if you are going through menopause, if you can find somebody who understands menopause and trauma, yeah. absolutely ideal. There aren't lots, but it is becoming, you know, more and more, more people are yeah. taking an interest yeah. in this. Um, and if you're somebody who's watching this and menopause is not an issue for you, um, 
then just please know that there is there is support and help out there. Yeah. Um, it's also worth saying, Catherine, that there are lots of kind of charitable organisations for people who have experienced trauma, um, you know, in, in whatever way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rape Crisis offer um, free sessions. Um, a lot of the military charities um, will offer free sessions. Um, so it's well worth seeking out some help yeah. and support. In fact, yeah. um, if you want to, we can put a list together. Yeah, um, I think we will. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. We can do it for, um, I'll, I'll check out for um, for Ireland and um, if you can do the UK, that'd be really, really helpful, I think. And for anybody that's interested in reading a little bit more about it, um, I would really highly recommend both of these books. Oh, so, yes. I, I um, read that one. Yeah. 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 Um, so The Body Keeps the Score is yeah. Bessel van der Kolk. Um, really well recommended, yeah. highly recommended. And then um, a lady called Babette Rothschild, um, who does a lot of training in this area, called The Body, Body Remembers. Remembers. Okay. Um, okay. So for anybody who, you know, either has a personal or a professional interest, they're both both okay. really I can, I'll reads. put up I'll put up those names as well in the notes. So um brilliant. Okay, that that's that's been great, Diane. You've certainly kind Excellent. of got me thinking about it from a different angle, <laughs> which is which is great. And um uh, just before we go um, any top nuggets you'd like to give anyone that's watching? Um, you know, top three tips or anything like that for anyone in menopause? Uh, top three tips are do your homework. Mm. Um, know that there is help out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do your research around the help. And final one is if you're struggling, please, please reach out to somebody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well said. My battery's about to die, Catherine. <laughs> well, we're just finished. <laughs> so thanks, thanks everybody for watching and um, uh, we will see you again for the next chat very soon. Okay, thanks, Diane. Thanks, for Catherine. On. Thank you.